Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world. And welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. My name is Matt Hudson and joining me here as ever from across the pond. He's not weird. He's just my friend. It's John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Matt. Uh, I, I like to think I'm a little weird. I think we're all a I little so. weird, right? I think you have to be to get ahead or get anywhere in this world. I think you've got to embrace your kooky side. Um, yeah, no, John John is... Well, we, we, we've all got our weird foibles. I mean, John doesn't like horses in movies. Um, I've got some, I'm sure I've got some weird things like that as well. I'm sure lots of people are probably shouting at their radio now saying... Yes, you do, because you said this in episode 60 of the BAMP, for example. But um, how are things in Florida, my man? I know there's been some, uh, let's say, adverse weather conditions once again. You know, it's uh, it's been a, a, technically a hurricane. At one point, it was. A, I think by the time it actually got to me, it was more or less a tropical storm. But it has been raining for almost 24 hours, I think, at this point. Um, just because this, this storm was gigantic but not as powerful as it could have been thank goodness although people on the east coast i think were more affected than us in central florida but this comes i think 42 days or something after we were pretty damaged by hurricane we didn't have power for a couple days so we were all a little nervous this time around um surprisingly it didn't seem like my community was as nervous though uh like last hurricane like you couldn't get gas for a couple days because everyone had got all the gas and people bought all the water and all this it didn't seem like anyone was buying anything yesterday and today most everything is still open except for schools so i was home today and kind of lucked into a four-day weekend because uh we were off friday for veterans day already so i now have thursday friday saturday sunday off um which i just had i took a four-day weekend last weekend which i'll talk about later on in the episode but um you know, it, it, for the most part, today has just been like a, a, a chill kind of a day. I watched the movie. I took a little nap. Um, I even slept in a little bit. Not not too much, but more than I normally sleep in. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, just, you know, keeping uh, keeping up with everything. How are you doing over there? Uh, the weather's the same over here, my friend. It's cold. It's dark. It's London. Like you said, Flor- uh, how Florida is at the minute is pretty much how the big smoke over here is it, most of the time. But I'm doing well, my friend. Um, since the last episode, I've, as I've said before, I've turned a year older, I've turned a year mm-hmm. wiser, and I've certainly turned a year wider as well. Um, so I am now catching up with John Burke in age, but um, had a lovely birthday weekend with friends and family. And I've got a great package from the United States. It was a, a an Exorcist T-shirt with Reagan on it, which does fit. Um, and I was very pleased to receive that from John Book. It actually came here. John's package, uh, John's package he bought, um, turned up sooner than a few other things that people in the actual United Kingdom bought. Now I know that you you used your um, transatlantic magic to make it happen, but um, I, I just found it very funny that I, I know some people who said, "Well, I did get you something." But it hasn't turned up, and as of today, it still hasn't. So I don't know what you did, John, but uh, it certainly worked. I got to think those uh, those kind of evil geniuses at Amazon—they make it yeah. easy to buy things in other countries. Um, yeah, they've got their they've got their uh, benefits and positives sometimes. But yes, uh, that was that's, that was very nice. Always nice to have cake. But uh, that aside, not doing too bad, my friend. Not bad whatsoever. So that that took up most of my weekend. Um, being the birthday boy and do lots of driving back and forward. But uh, what I needed, what I needed was a film, which I hoped would bring me some joy, bring me some fun, make me feel a little bit weird. 
And I was hoping to beyond hope that the film we're going to talk about tonight on the bloody awesome movie podcast would be that film. Uh, the film we're going to talk about, by the way, this will be a non spoiler review of weird. The Al Yankovic story, Al Yankovic story. Uh, we're going to have a spoiler review coming on Monday. Uh, of course, we are aware that the film in itself is a parody of Al Yankovic's career and life, but we wanted to save the juicy stuff for the spoiler episode. So we're going to go in. We're going to go in light tonight. We give our thoughts or opinions and opinions. So, uh, weird was directed by Eric Eric Appel. Written by Eric Appel and Weird Al Yankovic. And it stars Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al Yankovic himself, <laughs> as well as Diedrich Bader as narrator Al, David Bloom as a teenage Al, and Richard Aaron Anderson as a young Al. And filling out the cast, Evan Rachel Wood is Madonna, Rain Wilson as Dr. Demento, Toby Huss as Nick Yankovic, Julianne Nicholson as Mary Yankovic, the mother and father. Spencer Treat Clark as Steve J. Jack Lancaster as Jim Kimo West. And Tommy O'Brien as John Bermuda Schwartz. Those are uh, the, the, the IMDb. The, the band. The IMDb synopsis. Well, it reads, uh, the film explores every facet of Yankovic's life. From his meteoric rise to fame with early hits like Eat It and Like a Surgeon to his torrid celebrity love affairs and famously depraved lifestyle. Yep. Um, how is it doing around the world? Critically, sitting pretty well, John. 85% on Rotten Tomatoes, 88% with the audience score as well. Uh, Metascore has this at 72. It's got a 7.3 IMDb user score and 3.7 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Now, this film was released on Roku. It was released for free oh. on roku so if you've got a subscription or if you've got a way of watching it or uh, via roku you're in luck because the uh our yankovic story was available for nothing which in this day yeah, and, age, you don't get needed. Free. and uh, there we go my friends so you don't get much for free but john the big question is do you get a good film for nothing and for me the answer is yes, you do. Uh, the, the weird, the Al Yankovic story is, as we mentioned, it's not, it's a, a very much a send off, a parody of a man who's built his career on fa- fabulous parody songs. Uh, his wonderfully depraved lifestyle that we all know, of course, and his torrid celebrity affairs are all in this film. Maybe not necessarily in his real life, but the, the Al Yankovic story is, uh, <sighs> There's moments in it where I laughed a lot. There's one moment towards the end which just damn near killed me. Um, there's a few moments towards the end that damn near killed me. In fact, uh, there's some quite there's there's one or two quite touching moments, quite nice moments, even for a film which may be embellishing or just making things up flat out. Towards the end, I thought I'm getting touched here by you know I'm getting I'm getting uh, emotional about a story about Weird Al Yankovic. Um, and like you say, it's not a hundred percent accurate. Some parts of it are fairly true though that's that is some parts of it are because it's written by weird Al. some parts of this film do mirror what happened in reality but generally through yep. a fractured lens um i'm trying not to spoil the film itself but there are some very very good moments in this daniel radcliffe as weird Al is so so good in this film he's not singing the songs he sang them no, I, weird I, I believe, yeah that's it i believe daniel radcliffe sang you know on set he sang them live but i i, I read an interview with him where he said that his register, his vocal register can't reach weird Al. So he, you know, what are we going to do about that? About that? And the director was like, well, weird Al's going to, going to um, sing the songs. We're going to dub it because 
what's funnier than having this this world famous actor miming throughout the whole film and it is great and daniel radcliffe on his own is so very very good in this role for those who only know him as harry potter i feel very sorry because the man has since then has gone on to do some weird and wonderful movies and he always hits a home run in it genuinely is so very good such a versatile diverse actor he's become a man who is worth more than most people and doesn't need to do any of this yeah he's picking these great projects and showing yep. just what a fine actor is and, and bowler county seems like a really nice guy as well uh Evan rachel wood as madonna was was fabulous very very overplayed and and i loved it um but then some some who know madonna may say maybe she wasn't overplayed and um i think john said off air as well that this is like a who's who of comedy in terms of the american comedy about who shows up for cameo roles so it's quite fun to, to uh spot the comedian throughout some are more obvious than others but um i had a a lot of, again i'm trying not to talk about specifics in the film but i had a lot of fun with this john especially when the you know when the the big moments came when weird owl found the inspiration for all of these songs of his are fully original john fully original songs not a beat taken from anyone else's songs. Uh, I thought this was an awful lot of fun, John. It didn't overstay its welcome. I found it very funny. There's no way this film could have gone off the deep end any further than it did, but it's a story of Weird Al Yankovic. Who on earth would have expected it to be anything other than slightly bonkers? And I watched Blonde the other week, the other month, which was a fictional send-up of a biopic, and that was bloody awful. This is If, you, if you're going to do it, do it in this style. Not like Blonde, which was one of the worst things I've seen this year. This, for me, is a far, far more successful way of taking a biopic and just changing the narrative. And in when we get to our spoiler episode, we'll be able to say exactly why. But, John, I had a really, really, really good time with this film. I know you're a fan of Weird Al. What did you think, man? Yeah. I'm, I'm a really big Weird Al fan. I've literally uh, pretty much grown up listening to Weird Al. I have you're fond memories of playing. What's that? You're pretty fly for a rabbi, my friend. Oh, yes. Uh, well, I um, I remember playing cards with my aunt, and she had, like, cassette tapes back in, like, the 80s. So I was probably, like, five or six when I first heard Weird Al. Blew my mind then. I, of course, didn't know all the song parodies. Uh, I didn't know they were song parodies, I guess I should say, um, <laughs> right away. I knew some of the songs, like Like a Surgeon or uh, Eat It uh, Fat. I recognized those from radio right. songs. But there's other more obscure songs on, on his old stuff that I didn't know at the time. Um, I've, I've actually seen Weird Al live once a few years ago. It was one of my favorite concerts of all time. And, um, I I was so hyped when they announced this movie. Uh, I was a little hesitant because it was a Roku thing. And to my recollection, Roku hasn't done a lot of original content. Um, kind of my only complaint right now is that you have to watch it with commercials here in the States. And it wasn't too intrusive, but it still was intrusive when you're used to watching movies without commercials interrupting them. I mean, it's, it's, I grew up with that, of course, watching cable TV and watching, you know, movies on basic cable or stuff like that. But I've long since stopped watching most movies with commercials. And the few times I've gone to like a a service that does that, I usually end up just buying the movie if I really want to watch it. So I don't have to sit through the commercials. So I'm hoping at some point we're going to be able to buy this. Um, cause I, I, I enjoyed this a lot. Uh, like you said, Radcliffe is phenomenal in the role. Um, I think he, uh, I, in fact, I actually think the teenage version, David Bloom that they cast does a really good Radcliffe as Weird Al. Like, Great point. uh, 
I thought it was really great. And I was like, wow, that's good casting. Cause this kid seems like young Daniel Radcliffe to me. Um, you know, it's nice seeing Rain Wilson get to do something fun. Uh, I, I don't feel like he gets cast enough and stuff. And I thought he was really good here. Toby Huss um, is a character after that. Almost everyone has seen in something, but maybe gets overlooked. But man, that guy owns this type of character where you're like, you're like, I feel like I should be afraid of him, but also like maybe I shouldn't be afraid of him, but yet I am afraid of him. Like it's, he's such this weird line of like almost sociopathic, um, I don't know if you remember him in Cop Shop from last year, uh, but he was like the hitman that was sent to kill. Um, was it Gerard yeah. Butler? Gerard um, Butler, yep. And like, I loved him in that, and he's as intense in this movie at times. But then when they need him to be not intense, he does that well too. So he's a really, I think, maybe underrated character actor. Uh, Julianne Nicholson as the mom too, I thought was excellent. Really enjoyed all of the whole cast is is really really good. Um, did you recognize? Spencer Treat, though? Or Spencer uh, Treat absolutely Card? not. So he is the kid in Unbreakable and thus returns in Glass. Um, and he has the weirdest eyes. I don't know what the... It's, it's his pupils are so tiny. Yes. They're just like blue orbs and they like, they're like hypnotic. I, I'm looking at his eyes when I'm watching this movie like, I know that person. I don't know why. I can't recognize him. And then I finally clicked. I'm like, oh my God, it's the guy from Glass. And, and he's uh, Bruce Willis's son, quote unquote, in the movies. Um, and he's one of the band members. Really uh, threw me off because he hasn't done much. I, I'm pretty sure he's only done Unbreakable and Glass. And then now this. Um, but it, it, the movie does some wild stuff. It, it, it It's... A comparison I know everyone who's ever seen it is making, but it's Dewey Cox. Uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, is the epitome of the lampooning of the musical biopic. This is a really good second lampooning of the musical biopic. It does a lot of the same stuff. Um, it hits, like, there's a lot of references. Like, there's a clear reference to The Doors and Jim Morrison uh, sequence in this film. Um, so if you've seen that movie, you'll be like, oh, okay, I, I totally get where they're paralleling this. And uh, there's some other references uh Radcliffe got in crazy shape for this movie too which is yeah insane to me I don't know if he's always that ripped but he's like super ripped at parts in this movie um I think it was pretty but I, I had a blast with it I do think I don't think it's it's not too long because it's like 90 minutes but it does uh you can see it's like struggling to get through the plot at points like it's really like having to work a few times because in, in essence, this is extended sketches, right? That are like stitched together loosely um, in a big way that still works. Of course, it's, it's not a criticism. It's just, it, it does some of the, some of it starts to feel repetitive. And then it, and I think it picks up at the end again and it, it, it sticks to landing, as you said. Um, yeah. And it does, it, it carries some real weight. Uh, as a huge fan of Weird Al, I, I enjoyed watching everything about this and I'm glad he was involved in it. Um, uh, in fact, he's in it too. He plays one of the record executives, um, and he's he's fun to watch in that sequence because he's with. Um, I always forget his name. I uh, when I was the guy this, I, was Gruber, trying, um, I can't I think. I'm so hard right. to remember the names uh, in it. Will Forte, man, it always takes me a minute to come with. Uh, Will Forte is um, the other record executive, and he's ripping into Weird Al, and uh, <laughs> you can he's ripping into Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al. And you see Weird Al in the background just, like, looking hurt and hurt and hurt as Will Forte <laughs> is insulting fictional version of him. And it's great. It's just really good facial acting because um, he's not supposed to be Weird Al, but he, he breaks the fourth wall almost. 
uh, acknowledging like, hey, this is really me. Um, I, I had a blast. I think it's if you're a fan of, of Weird Al, you'll appreciate this. Um, if you're a fan of parody, uh, we don't get a lot of good parody films anymore. A lot of times when they come out, I mean, there was a real increase in them in the in the aughts where like it, after scary movie was successful they're just like we'll just parody everything and it got ridiculously bad mm-hmm. um the scary movies got bad but then you have like disaster movie and date movie and not another teen movie and just it's just mediocre after mediocre not to say there's not some funny bits in those but overall and those are the ones that were like mainstream then there's like the straight to dvd parody movies that were terrible this is not one of those and it definitely could have been because it went right to roku a streaming service that I don't think most people are even aware of it exists. And that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode was to make people aware that this is out there for free. You don't have to sign up for anything. You, if you have internet, you can either get the app on your phone or like most of the uh, streaming boxes will have a device. And of course you might have a Roku stick. It's already there. Um, Roku stick, Roku box, Roku TV, like I have, and it's free and it's, it's really, really well made, really p- well put together. Um, Funny or Die is involved in one of the production elements of it. So, like, if you've seen the Funny or Die YouTube channels, you get that caliber of comedy. Again, at some points, it does kind of feel like a YouTube sketch, but it's really well done and it's worth checking out. I uh, echo pretty much everything you've just said there, my friend, especially about Roku. This didn't feel like a, a film which was made for a free service. It didn't feel didn't feel like a TV film or anything like that. It, it carried the weight of a a feature film a theatrical film that just so happened to be given or put on roku as an original and i'm so glad that they did like you said i'm so glad that they took this project and have made it freely available for everyone firstly like you say to bestow upon everyone the benefit of something like roku secondly it gets weird our story out there again to those who have maybe haven't heard of or haven't indulged in weird Al. And also for, for Daniel Radcliffe as well, like we said up top, the dude is such a versatile and interesting actor who, who I still feel, you know, is, is going to be typecast forever. I think he will do as Harry Potter to a lot of people. And just even if it's a free film, getting this out there for people to see and be like, damn, that's Harry Potter. Yes, that's what he's become and everything mm-hmm. in between. He's played everything from a from a neo Nazi to um, a Victorian doctor in the horror in horror films to a guy with guns uh, surgically attached to his hand, uh, guy to a bloke stuck in a jungle oh, and having God. to. There's so many, so many odd films he's done, and of course the corpse in the flatulent corpse in Swiss Army Man. But yeah, man, I knew you'd like this film. I was when I was watching, it, I was like, I know John is going to dig this um, because it's and, and it's just it's an absurd film. And yeah, maybe like you say, maybe some parts of it feel stretched out. I I know what you mean. I think, well, like I said, for me, it 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 filled its runtime nicely. Yeah, oh, yeah. five more. You for me would have been thinking, right, how where are we going with this? But I think it was just fine for me. I had a really good time with it, JP. And I think it goes without saying, we are both going to give this thumbs up. Yeah, and uh, on another bright side, um, the the soundtrack came out. I think the day before yeah. or the day of. And uh, they, there's all of the songs that uh, are in the movie are re-recorded. So they didn't just use like the original recordings. Weird Al re-recorded everything. So that those are on the soundtrack as well as the score. Um, there's a lot of accordion score in this, which is great if you're a Weird Al fan. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, you know, it's it's one of those instruments that I, in the wrong hands is a nightmare. But when played mm-hmm. correctly is very good. I can't deny. Like I like I like the sound of an accordion if it's played well. Um 
and apparently uh Radcliffe did learn some accordion to do the role even though um he could have just you know pantomimed uh he wanted the, the director to be able to do long like wide shots while he's playing so he learned Weird Al taught him how to play some of the songs on the accordion so I thought that was pretty awesome that's really cool as is and Weird Al saw Daniel Radcliffe rapping I think it's on Jimmy Kimmel years ago and was like this is the guy who I'm going to get to play me and it it played out in that in that way. It's such a strange uh, way how fate and destiny works. But yeah, I, I I really had a good fun time with this. And if you are looking for something to put on for just over ninety minutes to have a bit of a laugh with, then I don't think you can go wrong this week with Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Uh, we'll be back with a spoiler episode on Monday where we can really get into the absurdity of this film but for now we're going to move on to our next segment of the bloody awesome movie podcast which we call chuffed headlines uh in our segment we take a movie or pop culture headline that caught our attention and we share it with you guys and each other so john what you gone for well so i hate clickbait headlines and uh screen rant <laughs> You need to calm down a little bit because it says their headline. This is verbatim. Warner Brothers confirmed the Wizarding World franchise is dead, right? Uh, That's the headline. And (laughs) confirmed is very strong um, because if you go into the article in the first paragraph, Warner Brothers may have just accidentally confirmed. So that's not the same thing as confirming. One, because they may have implying that you don't know. So headline, immediately a lie. But I thought this was still worth like looking into because the the claim that this article is making is that the wizarding world of Harry Potter is dead, uh, raising a lot of questions about what happened to the franchise because at the company's quarter three earnings call, uh, David Zaslov, who of course we all know not, um, spoke on the future of Harry Potter and said, we haven't done a Harry Potter movie in 15 years. So that's the whole quote. It's dead, John. And I'm like, guys, you're really jumping to conclusions here because that could simply mean like if he's being a very literal nerd harry potter has not been in a movie for 15 years you know what i'm saying like harry potter is a character yeah. not the entirety of the whole thing they've made so it feels like a big leap to to say it's dead now of course i kind of agree i do think it's dead i thought it was dead after the first fantastic piece movies because they didn't <laughs> give us what they promised they gave us another Harry Potter esque story, which is not what we were supposed to get. Like they just remade the same structured story arc. Uh, Oh, there's an evil wizard who wants to take over humanity. Here's a good wizard who will fight them. And it's not even the one we thought it was going to, we thought it was going to be Newt, but nah, Newt's just like a background character to Dumbledore. So I, I think the, I think this, if they stopped here, I would be completely fine with that. Cause we know how it kind of turns out because Dumbledore is alive when Harry Potter shows up. So we know what's going to happen. We could stop the movies and do something new, which I think we see was starting to happen with star Wars, uh, at least a little bit so far. Um, maybe, maybe Warner brothers can take a lesson in that because the property is obviously compelling. Like the whole premise of the wizarding world is really cool, but really screen rant. I got to say, you got to chill out with the, the, clickbait headlines because they have not confirmed anything if they said we are not continuing with this or we're we're going to scrap this there's no way they're dropping the the universe of harry potter it's you know there's so much connected to it now granted they don't own the theme park rights in that it's at universal but i don't i they have to get some money from that um but those theme parks do 
business. So people still want Harry Potter stuff. If you find a way to make it where it's compelling or interesting, people are going to be engaged, you know? Um, I mean, honestly, God, if you, can you imagine if they did a save by the bell at Hogwarts, like on HBO max, <laughs> like a yes, 30 minute sitcom, yes. people would eat that up and you don't, you don't need to have big dramatic things. You just have normal kid stuff happen at Hogwarts. Oh my God. They did that show. It was on wizards at Waverly place or whatever, right? Like the, the Selena Gomez show. It worked. People love that show. Do it with Harry Potter and you've got built in dollar. Like, I, I don't know, man. Sometimes these executives act like they just don't get the simplicity of what people like. It, they like the magic and the spells and stuff. Give them that. We don't need sprawling, you know, devastating monster battles every every episode. Like, I, I don't get it, man. Like, it seems so straightforward. Like, you have a property people enjoy being a part of. That's why the theme parks are so popular. They just want to go have a butterbeer and be at Hogwarts. That's it. They don't care about any of the other stuff. You know, like, mm-hmm. give them that. Yes, everything you've just said, because it's true, The it, especially when it comes to Zaslov um, and Warner Brothers, those, I don't entirely know, think they know what they're doing at all over there. Um to say that the wizarding world, I mean, yeah, obviously, I mean, look, this is a clickbait headline if I ever heard one, but the wizarding world will never die because there are legions of fans who will make sure it doesn't. Um, of course, you've got the idiot in chief, JK Rowling at the top of the pile, um, who still obviously will have final say on everything. But, but like you said, I know it's not necessarily owned by Warner, the theme parks, um the wizarding world areas but in over here we've got the studio tour which is owned by warner and that is huge that is that is a massive money spinner and what's another way to make a money spinner make more films in this franchise john as you well know you can spin it off with books you can spin it off of tv shows you can spin it off of films you just know they're going to do a kind of force awakens-esque film though one day where they're going to try and tie it into the the classic Potter saga and they're going to, they're going to play on the nostalgia by having Neville Longbottom's, I don't know, grandkid coming back and remember the time he cut Nagini's head off. And rather than like you say, something original, there are so many stories you could do in this world. I think you've got that game coming out, Hogwarts legacy, which is set. Yeah. Quite a hundred odd years, maybe before Potter and all the fantastic beast films. So it's going to be fairly Mm. original. You know, that's a start. You don't have to, like you say, you don't have to just go to the world with the tried and trusted all of the time. I know you think it, people think, sorry, it might be easy money, but there are so many stories. A Saved by the Bell in Hogwarts would be absolutely bonkers good. You could do, you could do a murder mystery if all I care in that place and it would just look good because of the setting. Yeah. Um, so much you could do with it that doesn't have to tangentially tie straight back into, um, the, the Harry saga if we're going to call it the Skywalker saga in Star Wars, there's so much you can do outside of it. And yeah, look, you can still lean on it if you need to and have those classic things in there, like a butter beer or uh, some of the weird and wonderful uh, creatures you see to kind of make you think, Oh, I remember that, but it doesn't have to center around the, the characters we know all the time. And I think that is what's holding that, that franchise back is the reticence or reluctance to, to branch out. I mean, I know J.K. Rowling is still in charge, but how cool would it be to have a new series of books that are approved by her, but written by other people? You know, get other people mm-hmm. write f- books in this world. You're adding to the canon, the lore of it. And again, she still has the final look at it and say, yep, that fits, go for it. 
uh, so you still lines to uh, grabby pockets but um there's so much you can do i just you just kind of wonder why they've stalled so much but yeah the, the wizarding world is definitely not dead eat franchise even if the fantastic beasts are trying everything in their power to kill it off yeah yeah it's it, man i just i hate clickbaity headlines anyways and that one really because i'm like what when do they confirm and then like the first paragraph's like well maybe kind of sort of did and like come on like yeah. you can't cancel out your headline in the paragraph that follows it like it's just it's bad journalism come on screen right yeah by then you've already got your uh you've already got your click so uh yep. they're happy enough with that and you know it's going to generate social media talk because that's all it's about you share that link on twitter that that headline comes up it gets it gets liked it gets tagged it gets retweeted it gets commented on it's you know that they've done their job even if it is complete rubbish like you say john um i'll be interested to see what they do do in the wizarding world franchise oh my friend um my headline is about um it's a it's not necessarily a headline it's something i thought was a bit fun and it's uh, also from screen rant it's not anywhere near as bad as what you've just uh, given us in terms of writing this one is oscar isaac movies ranked from worst to best so all of his films ranked from worst to best um the rise of skywalk was about halfway through this list is about 40 films so make of that what you will um john the top five oscar isaac films or uh, films that he performs in are as follows a most violent year at five number four is drive number three mm. is inside lewin davis heck yeah number two is dune and number one ex machina i just basically wanted to because uh, we i know how much we both enjoy uh oscar isaac how can you not like oscar isaac he is a fan talking of fabulous diverse actors oscar isaac is one of those um i just wanted to know if you agreed with that because going through the list there are so many films that he is in that he may not be you know front and center of that yeah i could throw up the list i think annihilation is number six now he definitely isn't front and center of annihilation but i'll be damned if for me that isn't one of the best sci-fi horror films i've ever seen but just going through the list of films that he's been in even the kind of lesser known ones it's incredible what an incredible body of work that Oscar Isaac's got. Um, Ex Machina at number one. Uh, yeah, I can agree with that because I think he is sensational in that and not just for that bonkers dance scene. I think he is great in that and alongside Donald Gleeson in I think the same year that The Force Awakens came out, actually, uh, when they were in that film together. But I think he's excellent in that film. Dune, he, he his performance in Dune leaves an absolute um, impression. Inside Lewin Davis is superb. And drive, yeah. and the little he has to do in drive. I mean, every time he's on screen in any of his films, I find myself drawn to his characters because he's, he's got such a presence to him. But um, I, I'd agree with Ex Machina, but for, for these Oscar Isaac films and my friend, for that top five, can you are you going to argue that top five? And what would you have as your best Oscar Isaac film? I mean, I think if you've listened to the show for years, I think Inside Lulin Davis will be the obvious uh, number one yeah. for me. I, I love that film. It's one of my favorites. Um, I go back to it frequently um so that would be my number one not in the like i love ex machina but i've i think i've only watched ex machina once where i've rewatched inside lulu davis a lot but i'm also a, a pretty enthusiastic coen brothers fan so those two things combining just make me love it um yeah. i think i would probably just move that up uh i might move drive above dune um for like because i mean although to be fair the the Drive is probably more of a Gosling love than it is the Isaac love. I mean, he's great in it, but he's not the center, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Poe. 
I don't love how it ends in Rise of Skywalker, but I <laughs> loved Poe in the first two films. Um, even though we don't get a lot of him in, in uh, Force Awakens, but what we get of him, I think, is great. Like he opens the movie, um, and him and and uh, Kylo Ren together is one of my favorite like an opening sequences in the Star Wars uh, universe. You know, I love that establishment of those characters. Um, there are some films I haven't seen uh, of his on this list that I would like to. And then some that I saw, didn't remember he was in like all about the Benjamins is ice cube and um, uh, Mike Epps. And apparently he's in it like really young. Uh, so like that's, I'm like, Oh, I saw that. I don't remember him in it. Uh, the card counter was really great. Um, yeah. And like you said about Annihilation, I love Annihilation, but he's not, he's, I mean, he's an important piece of the story, but he's not in the story a lot. So, um, I have not seen a most violent year though. And that's one that's been on my radar for a while. I guess I need to check that one off the list. Yeah, I do like that film an awful lot. Um, uh, alongside Jessica Chastain, Oscar Isaac is a man whose filmography I'd like to go through and complete. Um, again, cause I think he's so very good. I, the, well, I saw one, I think the beginning of this year, or was it, it could have been this year and last year, all kind of bleeding to one. I think it's called The Two Faces of January. I've got it on, I bought it on Blu ray because it's about a pound or one, one dollar. Well, actually, no, a pound is about a dollar in today's exchange rate. But it, uh, it was, it's, I think it's Curse and Dunst, Oscar Isaac and Vigo Mortensen. I was like, yep, that's mm. it. I don't, I don't even care what the film's about. Just those three in, in the film, sign me up. And it, and it, and it's pretty decent. It's a, it's a thriller film. Uh, and I quite like that film. Uh, so yeah, check that one out. But yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the the top five there more than anything because I think it's hard pressed to find a bad film, bad performance from Oscar Isaac. Maybe he's been in some films which aren't so great. Uh, maybe he's been in a superhero film which wasn't quite so great. Um, nope. Which uh, yeah, he certainly has been. But um, and then like the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I mean, if the, the main takeaway is the films aren't bad because of Oscar Isaac. I think that's the thing we can uh, both agree yeah. on there, my friend. He is a fabulous actor who uh, hopefully we can see go on to big, well, even bigger and better things as time goes on. Uh, and we're going to go on to something even bigger, maybe better as well, in our next segment, media consumption. All of the films, these TV streaming series, video games, music, podcasts, which aren't ours, whatever we've consumed to pass the time since the last episode now i've uh, john's been a little bit busier than me what you been checking out man well i've seen a lot um but <laughs> first uh i watched blank check um or i listened to blank check uh full metal jacket episode a uh, very good episode and i was not surprised to find that apparently most people think the, the first part of full metal jacket's great and then kind of lose interest as it as it goes on um the boot camp stuff is great and then it's like okay uh, and that seems to be the consensus. Um, however, that boot camp stuff is so great that it does make the movie maybe higher on the list than it maybe deserves to be a, as a collective. But um, good is so damn good. Yes, he so so is. Um, I also uh, did listen to. I didn't put this on here, but I've, as I've been talking for a few weeks about the uh, films to be buried with, I did finally catch the uh, Barry Jenkins and Nia DaCosta episodes. Yes. Um, oh man. Barry Jenkins, I was already a fan, and that episode just made me even a bigger fan. Uh, he's just so cool, isn't he? So cool, and his movie love is there. And even like, I love that he was a big Ted Lasso fan. Um, and I, I, I think it was the Barry Jenkins episode. I learned that uh, Brett Goldstein was originally not supposed to be Roy Kent. Um, yeah. That he was just a writer for Ted Lasso, and then like 
made a very quiet audition tape wanting to be Roy Kent and everyone loved it obviously because he's he's Roy Kent like I am listening to this podcast because of how much I love Roy Kent I didn't know anything about <laughs> Brett Goldstein um, how much does I, he love Barry Jenkins oh dude it's so cool like I, <laughs> I almost got to interview Macon Blair um oh man I remember I had, saying actually I had I had several email exchanges and when he he was like starting to commit and then he had to we had to reschedule and then for some reason I felt compelled to like nerd out like I was just like I gotta say too I'm a big fan I love everything and and then we never had the interview <laughs> so <laughs> should have saved it man I I was I was I was in that like he looked at me as a professional and then I let the veil down and he was like never mind and so I ruined that <laughs> um. And that was early in in the podcasting game, but like I I had Macon Blair uh, on the line, ready to to You're reveal wrong. a man, and I I did not set the hook. Um, so I like listening to Goldstein, like he he did he played it cool until Barry was on, and then you could hear it. Barry was like a little apprehensive at first, like uh, I don't like being told how great I am, and it, but it worked out. Like by the end of the it was episode, just cool throughout, though, wasn't it? He was. Uh, what what cool Nia DaCosta also a lot of fun. I don't know if you've uh, yeah. heard her or anything, but she is she is a very awesome director to listen to talk about film. I think she has such an appreciation for all things film too, and I love both of them um, had films on their list that weren't pretentious, and I I love that too. I I like you know I think sometimes uh, filmmakers feel like they only have to talk about like there's a list of movies that are acceptable to like and anything outside of that list is not cool. Kind of how I'm vibing with Scorsese constantly dissing the Marvel stuff. It's like, come on, dude, just the Marvel films have a place. Like, let's not act like they aren't good. That said, uh, listen to movie podcasts. They're great. Um, I have learned also though, Tarantino has a podcast. I've still not listened to, (laughs) but that's wild. And then I just learned someone else has a movie podcast. Now I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, it's another like person. I'm like, oh wow, I can't believe they also have a movie podcast. And it's me and John, it's called a bloody awesome movie podcast. It, it is um, for sh- that is a hundred percent true. <laughs> I feel like I can't I can't remember where I heard it. If it was on uh, books, m- movies to be buried with, and maybe it was Nia DaCosta. Someone else that's like a big movie person has a movie podcast, and I'm just like, okay, everybody needs to chill out. Uh, <laughs> You know, like there can, there's, I mean, there's room for all the podcasts, but at some point it's like, hold on. I don't know if I can compete with Tarantino's level. I did hear though. Uh, I think blank check was talking about the Tarantino podcast. And, um, apparently the premise is, uh, he and this other guy that does the show. I don't know the other guy. They had bought like a VHS, like library. Like that's like someone had had or whatever. And that's what the podcast is, is like going through these VHSs, um, that they, they bought this like like storage facility or something. I don't know exactly I'm messing something up, but it's like the, the movies are choosing are from an actual physical collection that they have, they have come into ownership of. So that's kind of cool. Um, um I, I heard of someone who had a, cause I was, I was just trying to Google it whilst you were talking. I, I know of somebody, a film person who also has a film podcast. I don't know. And again, I, it may even be the same person we're thinking of. I can't remember who, but I was, surprised that they had one and i also thought oh damn you know that's i bet that's very good and i cannot remember for the life of me because i found out about it this week who it is and i wonder if it's the same person it probably is i i mean we we listen to some of the same stuff so it's possible that we both heard it and we're like oh note and then forgot because you know stuff (laughs) it sounds like us um but uh, I've seen a lot of movies. Um, no TV, but I think since the last time we spoke, I have seen like 
15 movies. Um, and I'll explain why in a little bit, but, uh, I caught women talking, um, which is one of the, this is one of the rare times I can say the following sentence. The book is better. Um, this is a rare occasion where I've read a book going into a movie. However, I love the movie. I, in no way am I saying that as in one can't be, you know, I, I think they made some changes that I really enjoyed elements of the book that were left out. But I think those choices were the right call for the movie. I think mm-hmm. the movie that they're telling is a little cleaner um, and, and more focused on, well, the title in a way um, that the book doesn't, but I think the framing device in the book works really well in the book. And it, I was a little disappointed that it wasn't the same, but it, it didn't stop me from enjoying the film. And uh, it stars Rooney Mara, uh, Jesse Buckley and Claire Foy. Well, Those are like the three essential movie. characters. Dude, I, I love Rooney Mara so much. And I am also, I've become a huge Jesse Buckley fan. Like everything she's in, she's phenomenal. And they're both great. But Claire Foy stole it for me. There is a monologue she gave that I was just like, yep, that's incredible. Uh, and I've I've liked Foy. I didn't watch The Crown, though. I've really only seen her in the very bad uh, girl with the, in the spider web or whatever. Yep. The, and it, I didn't blame her for that movie, mind you, but like, I haven't seen her in a lot to like really latch onto her as a, as an actress. Um, this was that performance for me. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I see what everyone's talking about. She's fantastic. Um, or she should have been nominated or even won an Oscar for first man. I know we, well, I know we now see I differently on that film. Cause I've yes. grown to very much be very fond of it, but I think she was sensational in that film. I, she was maybe the highlight of that film too, now that you mention it, but I, I've mostly forgotten about it. To be fair, the, the change is I've seen it once. You've seen it a couple of times now, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, it's funny because, uh, Big Tune and I were just talking about that movie because Babylon's getting ready to drop and we're, we, mm-hmm. he and I were both not fans of First Man. And I mentioned to him that, um, you liked it, but not at first. And he's like, I don't think I want to sit through it a second time. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of, I don't feel compelled to, but yeah, it's um, funny. It's, it's, do, do, uh, do you know what? It was, I, when I first saw it, I was disappointed. I think I gave it like a seven. I was, I was just disappointed. It wasn't whiplash or la la land level, but I got into the score because I still, to this day, think that score, that score should have won the best score of that year. Hmm. I, they wasn't even nominated. It was a crime. Um, so I listened to the music and I got so into it. It's such a strange, amazingly good and um, ethereal soundtrack that I thought, well, I'm going to revisit the film with this knowledge of the soundtrack in my head and kind of the bits that grab you in that. And it, it added another layer, like a good soundtrack should. It made me kind of appreciate m- certain moments more so. And then I kind of got more into the nuance, nuance of the film from there. And whilst I still don't think it's as good as Whiplash or La La Land... Uh, I have grown to appreciate an awful lot more, but it's mainly down to the music. Well, um, I'm going to power through these uh, because I feel like if we talk about each of them as much, you go, sir. Uh, it'll it'll be bad. So uh, I saw Triangle of Sadness. I say thumbs up. Um, I like that. Except I, I did have to close my eyes for a, an extended amount of time for one sequence. <laughs> um, I saw Armageddon Time. Thumbs down. Way down. Uh, I, oh, cool. I have... So surprised because uh, two film critics that I, I very much admire gave this like four and a half stars or five stars. And I'm like, this is a one and a half star movie for me. And while I won't, I don't like dissing child actors. It was definitely a big part of the, the lead actor being the kid. It just did not click for me at all. Um, White Noise, uh, Noah Baumbach's new film that's going to be dropping on Netflix soon. I loved uh, and I continue, like, I can't wait to rewatch it. Like, I, 
at, it seems like I'm going to be in the minority in that opinion, but I really, really loved Adam Driver's performance in that movie so well, much. And there's this, you, you saw it, right? Yes. Uh, LFF. Um, I, I love the, uh, there's a, uh, like a dueling diatribe with Don Cheadle and, uh, Adam Driver about these two central figures and mm-hmm. kind of this weird comparison of their, uh, fame and ideologies and love that sequence so much. It's, it's so cool. And Driver is just insane in that performance. Like it is such, it's so not a Noah Bombach film too. That's the thing. It's like, it's like yes. anti Bombach film, um, which I love even more, uh, it's his blockbuster. Like it's wild. It's such a wild movie. Um, the whale, uh, thumbs up. I, I am an Aronofsky fan. Uh, Brendan Fraser's performance is fantastic, but so is everybody in that cast. Like everybody's top tier performances in that movie. Um, saw a documentary called all the beauty and the bloodshed, which is about the opioid crisis and a photographer and how those two things cross over. It's the same director who did citizen four. That's the Snowden documentary. Um, it's tremendous. It's such a good documentary. Um, Alcaris or Alcaris. I'm not sure there isn't supposed to be an accent over the A at the the second, the last day. Um, good movie, not perfect. Uh, it feels a little disconnected, but compelling. No Bears is the uh, an Iranian film. Uh, mm-hmm. The filmmaker whose name I am not going to be able to pull because I am bad with names. Um, <laughs> uh, is currently in jail. Uh, for making movies, he's serving a six-year sentence um, and a 20-year ban for making films in Iran because he makes movies that are basically against the government. Um, and No Bears is no exception to that. He is playing the the lead character in the film, in fact. Um, it is really good. And then knowing that element of it makes it all the more important and, and uh, significant. I hope more people see it. Um, she said... Uh, Here we go. I liked... Uh, it's it's not perfect. Um, I I'm always kind of a sucker for a good investigative journalism film, though. As a journalist, um, it's it's not going to live up to like all the president's men or uh, even the post or um, spotlight, which is going to get the most comparisons. Yeah, um, but it is still still powerful. Okay. Did, did have you seen? She said. I have not. That was one of the ones I missed, and one of the ones I was very much mm. looking forward to. And I trust your opinion. Uh. The other Sean hated it. Um, like <laughs> said, it was one of the worst movies and manipulative. Um, I didn't feel that way uh, about it. Um, I, I think Carrie Mulligan is fantastic in it, and Zoe Kazan, who I am a big fan of because of the big sick, she's Same. really solid. Um, but I think, uh, uh, oh man, I just said her name, Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan. Uh, deserves an Oscar nomination. Like I think, uh, in, I think she she should have won for Promising Young Woman. But I think she does a lot here. That's still like this is. Let's give it to her. It's time because she's always okay. great. Like she's great in Inside Llewyn Davis. I trust you and Tuna, and now I'm conflicted. Gotcha. Uh, well, keep in mind, neither of us loved it, right? Like he hated it. I'm like, I think it's better than not. Um, it's just, yeah, it's still lacking some stuff. Um, okay. Till, uh, very, very, very emotional. Very good. Um, there's some sequences that are devastating especially if you already know what's coming but like how they choose to reveal things um visually are i thought well directed and it it uh impactful um i saw black panther wakanda forever i'm not gonna say anything about that because we're gonna be talking about that next week um saw tar uh the Kate blanchett film uh i saw it in my auditorium that has the messed up sound which is not the theater you want to see a movie about a composer (laughs) no 
So I was very mad uh, when they gave me my ticket and I saw number 12. I'm like, son of a gun. Um, but uh, I, I did like it. Um, didn't love it, but I liked it a lot. Uh, I, I, I definitely liked it more than I've heard some other people. Some people are raving about it. Um, she's fantastic. Blanchett is yeah. phenomenal. Uh, yeah, a character, okay. though, that is hard to like. Uh, so that's one of those things where, and I don't think you're supposed yeah. to like, but, you know. Um, so I went, I saw After Sun. It's an A24 film. Yeah. Um, I had heard uh, a lot of people just like love this movie. I was underwhelmed. Um, I felt emotionally disconnected from it, uh, which was jarring to me because it's a movie about a father and a daughter. So I was really like expecting to be like emotionally charged. And I've read several people like have cried. Oh, great. So every time I watch this, I felt nothing for the characters. Um, and I was really surprised. Like, I don't think it's a bad movie. I just was like, what, what am I supposed to be feeling? Cause I don't feel it. Like I don't feel anything. It's possible. It was my mood. Um, but I, I was really expecting, like I went in expecting to love it and, and expecting to uh, probably cry. And I got neither of those things while watching it. So maybe expectations were too high. I don't know, but um, some people it's got like a 95 Metacritic and I'm, I'm like, it's fine. It's like middle of the road to me. I, I, I wish I, I wish it had connected with me as I've seen yeah. it connecting with other critics, but it, it did not. Um, and then I saw a corsage, the uh, Vicky creeps crepes, crepes. Yes. Uh, movie. Uh, crepes. Um, I first was not vibing it. I'm like, I, 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 I like the attitude, but it like the period piece stuff always is kind of questionable to me. And I'm also, I'm not one to notice like anachronistic stuff, but I'm like looking at things. I'm like, that doesn't seem like that would be in that period. Like there's lights <laughs> on and I'm like, is there electricity in Austria in 1877? Like everywhere in like every room, like full lights. And uh, then I realized though, that it's not trying to be accurate in certain el- elements of it. Like there's, um, I read a review on Letterboxd. Who's, I will not remember the, the reviewer because I was not someone I follow at the time. Um, but it recontextualized the film for me. And I, then I really got into it and I was kind of vibing with the whole attitude and, and seeing the parallels that I wasn't picking up on at first, but the, the review kind of guided me. So I was really glad I read that while watching it. Cause it, it made me like give it a second chance. Um, I think like I was enjoying the performance, but I wasn't getting like the movie. Like I wasn't really invested in what was going on uh, until I started looking at it through a specific lens. Um, and it, 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 it did click. So I en- ended up enjoying it way more than I thought I was going to, uh, especially again, first 20 minutes or so. I'm like, Oh man, I don't know if this is going to be worth my time. Um, but yeah, that's all of the movies that I've seen. Uh, sorry to power through those, but that was a lot. So that's a normal week for you by the sounds of it, John. Um, I, yeah, Black Panther Wakanda forever next week. I was going to see, I was invited to the multimedia screening here in London, but, um, life got in the way or circumstance arose. I couldn't go to it, but it's fine because I'm going to go and see it on release night. Tickets are still available for open at night. So I'm going to see it tomorrow, um, in the evening. So I'm looking forward to seeing Wakanda forever and hoping that it's at least good. Even if it's not as good as Black Panther, I hope it's at least good. Um, my one's been a little bit quieter because, again, m- most of the t- most of my weekends, that's when I usually cram in as much of my um, uh, consumption as possible. So I usually do in the evenings, but I'm sometimes busy, uh, and I was busy all weekend this weekend, so I didn't get as time as much time as I'd like to have watched things. But um, I listened to the horror show uh, when they spoke about Amityville horror. It's about time because. 
it's a stupid title and it's a really bad film and I just wanted to hear people dunk on it and they did. Um, so that's really all I've got to say about that. In terms of films, I, I know you watched Confess Fletch the other a couple of weeks ago of John Hamm. It's uh, now available in the UK. Uh, I just checked that out and I think John Hamm is very, very good in this film. I think John Hamm, this is a role that just... It just, it just suits him to the ground and he's such a good actor uh i really did enjoy confess fletch i uh also watched emily a film i know that big tuna adored he loved it as far I've, i think he said he loved it so much i think he walked out oh um yes yeah he I, did not make yeah. it through <laughs> i said i did i didn't i didn't mind emily and like you i'm you know period pieces don't always sit well with me not because i'm too cool for them but like any film i've got to be it's got to grab me the story or the characters or the setting and sometimes they can just be too languid and slow sometimes um i liked emily i thought it's pretty good and uh, i also saw enola holmes 2 millie bobby brown henry cavill and for a sequel to a film that was pretty good i actually think this was quite a good sequel actually i think it's in places better than the first film it's not going to blow the doors off any film rate or rankings this year but i had a pretty good time with enola holmes two and i watched episode 10 of and or john it's the best show on tv in any genre at the minute it genuinely is so so good um uh the, the this week's one was sensational to the point with my co-host on sessions luke who is practical pragmatic and realistic gave this one full marks out of 10 he's you know he said it's, it's flawless and I, now that is a man who is absolutely not prone to hyperbole and not prone to exaggeration. It is superb, and the acting in it is excellent. I mean, you've, I mean, I won't spoil the bloke, even though it's all over the internet who's in it, the cool actor, but he's just Emmy magnificent in this, and really, really, really sells this story. Um, and yeah, I, again, I always say I can't wait for JB one day to sit down and binge through this whole thing because this thing that gets better and better each week. And it's, it, it's funny what you can do when you just get the right people in the right positions to write a story about a, a character story first, then, um, and then, you know, let's, let's add in a few more. Then let's put a stormtrooper there in the background for three seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it. That's all you're going to get at Star Wars. Funny what happened when you put the characters and the situation and the emotion, and the tension and the espionage and the thriller and the drama first, and then think, oh, actually, this is also set in Star Wars. So I'm, I'm so pleased. It's not. It's not the Mandalorian. It's not. You know, it's not like that. It's, Mando exists in its own little corner. You had Kenobi. That's there. Then you've got Andor way over there, which is an entirely different bit of prestige television. Um, cannot wait for the final two episodes. I know I might sound like I'm exaggerating, but more people need yeah. to watch it. More. It's 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 genuinely very good. And it's just from someone um, who doesn't even watch TV. I'm overwhelmed by it now because I'm like, I'm 10 episodes behind and I I keep hearing how great it is. I just, now it feels like a chore to start it. So I need to just dive in at some point. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I mean, we, we say on the sessions, sorry, I've just spilt some of my um, sp- strawberry and lychee sparkling water all over my microphone. Um, we say on sessions every week that we know that it's not going to be for everyone. Even, even Star Wars fans, not all of them are digging it because it's too slow for them. It's too, you know, it's not, action-packed enough for them it's too nuanced there i say um uh but people who a lot of people who aren't star wars fans are digging it and i think to me that's a bit more bad driven a bad driven of a tony gilroy who is the showrunner for this that you know it's appealing to a wider audience even if it isn't 
even if it is probably the lowest rated in terms of views Disney Plus show, certainly in terms of Star Wars, it's just the best one. Uh, maybe if they'd called it Star Wars Rebellion, maybe it would have got more eyes on it. But as it's called Ander, I think people still kind of think the guy from Rogue. Nah, I don't fancy that. When it, there's so much more to it, and like, it, like it just, just, there's one subplot in this new one. I said on the show, I said this doesn't belong. In, this isn't a Star Wars thing, but it's here now, and I, it, it's amazing. It's like a proper kind of dark storyline to go down to about family and like kids and betrothal and it's like what this is this is mental this is game of this is house of the dragon stuff but it works my friend so um yeah everyone out there who's watching um i know they're having a good time and i hope when all is said and done people can jump on it because it is i love mando i enjoyed kenobi i didn't mind boba fett but this is this is proper stuff this is so uh Mm -hmm. That's my thing. But yeah, not, not much else otherwise, JB. I could have seen Black Panther 2, but I'm going to be watching that tomorrow instead, just so I could be fresher for the band. That's all, John. I almost messed up because I forgot to ha- uh, mention the Banshees of Isherin. Oh, God, um, tell me which, all about it, John. I saw it last week. What did you think? I So I liked it at first. Oh, my God. As I've sat on it, I love it. Um, I ah, just keep yes. thinking about it. And um, man, uh, I saw it after... I saw a bunch of the other movies. So I saw it right before black Panther too. So like, I think I was just kind of a little burnt out when I went to see it. Um, yeah. but man, when I, the more I sit with it, the more I'm just like, wow, that movie it's, it's Colin Farrell. I'm always such a fan and I love Brendan Gleeson and Martin McDonough, man, that dude's movies have almost consistently worked for me. Um, I am a big fan of, uh, in Bruges. I love seven psychopaths and I like three, uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Mississippi. So now, or Missouri is it Missouri uh um i like that a lot but man this movie i think is my favorite of his um or like it probably will be uh, as i keep sitting with it um it's allegorical and uh it's just got man it's such it's gorgeous too what a what a gorgeous looking movie um yeah uh i can't believe i almost forgot to add it on the list i don't know how i skipped typing it up but yeah uh glad i, I remembered it before we got through with the episodes i'm like wait a minute i missed something um yeah yeah, really glad I caught that. Uh, I went to see. Uh, I had a screening of Black Panther at uh, a theater that's about about two hours away with traffic. Mm. If the traffic's bad, um, so I went early so I could see the Banshees of Isherin. Uh Then I popped over to Barnes and Noble, bought two Criterion Blu-rays because they were on sale. Uh, uh, and then I I bought um, Lost Highway, the David Lynch film, like one of the only Lynch films I haven't seen yet. So I was really excited to finally get that. Um, cause it was not easy to get until now, uh, with Criterion finally re-releasing it. And then, um, I bought, uh, I- Ikaru, the, uh, yeah, Kira yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, there's a, I didn't know this, uh, I've been, that's been on my radar for a while, but, uh, there's a Bill Nighy film out called Living that is yes. a remake of Ikaru. So, um, yes, it is. I, yeah. I and apparently he's very good in it. Yeah. I've heard great things. I can't wait to see that. I haven't seen either yet, uh, but I want to see both. So those I... are, those, uh, I haven't seen the Kurosawa film. I know of it, but I think I'm going to mm. watch that before watching the the remake. Yeah, I've heard mixed. Like I've heard people tell me I should watch that first, and then uh, Tuna said watch Living first. Just I guess so you're like watching that movie and not like just making the comparison. So I don't know. I guess because um, I'm going to know. I know it's a comparative thing. So either way, I'm going to be watching one or the other. Like comparing them it, it just depends on which order i watch them i guess but um but yeah that's sorry that's what i've been watching too so 
Yeah, no, I, I'm so glad you enjoyed the Banshees of Inner Sharing. I I so enjoyed that uh, when I saw it last week. And if you again, if you like Madonna films, then you're on to you're on to a win with this. But uh, JB has been very busy. Uh, however, being busy is one thing; being bloody awesome is another thing. We have to stay bloody awesome each week in order to maintain the levels required to bring you this show each and every week. So, John, please tell the world how have you been staying bloody awesome this week. Well, I I uh, went with um, Big Tuna and uh, another um, Central Florida Critics Association or Critics Association of Central Florida member, uh, Skip, down to Miami, which is about four hours away from where we live, uh, where I live. It's a little actually further away from those two guys. They live a little – they are not quite as central as I am. Um, but we went down to the uh, Miami Film Festival Gems program um a very small festival like the miami film festival i think is is a little bigger but this is a uh, kind of subset they they seem to be pulling the big movies from other festivals that haven't necessarily played here yet um in a very nice little theater called the tower theater uh, right in the middle of uh little havana so i got to have some delicious cuban food i got uh, some authentic cuban coffee um and this cool theater that's a very art house theater uh, just two screens, one pretty big auditorium that also has a stage where like the screen can raise up and they must do some kind of like live stuff there. And then a smaller uh, adjacent uh, auditorium. Um, it was a really fun experience. We were there for three days. We went Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we saw two movies on Friday night, four movies on Saturday and only one movie at the festival on Sunday. But we went to uh, an AMC to see Armageddon time and um, uh, Triangle of Sadness, which I had not. I was the only one who had not seen Triangle of Sadness. I'm glad uh, Tuna wanted to give me the opportunity to see that because I really did want to catch it, and it's not playing near me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we missed a couple of movies at the festival that I kind of wish we had seen instead. But overall, really fun time. I hadn't been to an in-person festival since Tribeca 2019. You know, we've covered a lot of festivals uh, remotely since the, the pandemic uh, locked us down, but um, it was fun going back. Uh, to a you know in-person festival it was again a, it was a great way to do it because it was a very small festival by comparison so it was like dipping your toe in the water not diving into like the deep end i still have come home with a cold though um i've been fighting off oh, a cold for four oh days not covid uh, apparently i've i've tested negative for covid but um and i am uh, up to date with my vaccines i even got a flu shot this year which i have not had a flu shot I think my whole life, I think I've done like yeah. a couple of like the flu nasal things in the past where like they spray stuff up your nose, but I haven't had a flu shot in a long time. But this year I was like, nope, not taking any chances. I'm getting all the vaccines and uh, I still got a cold. So, um, but I've been fighting it off pretty good, but uh, you know, it's like the first time I'm with a, at a festival and of course I'm going to come home sick, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was, it was a really good time. Um, a long, long couple of days. And again, a lot of movies I, I, between cause not just the festival between like we had screenings and it's just been a busy week uh, for movies and it's only going to get busier because award season's coming. So we're getting all the four year consideration stuff. Um, so I, I've got a lot to catch up on that. I haven't seen uh, which is good and bad. It's a good problem to have, but it's still like, you know, finding the time and finding the motivation to like really commit to like a movie sometimes is not always there, but um, it was fun going to the festival. How have you been saying bloody awesome, but um film festivals are always great mate um so i am with you on that but however coming back feeling um a little bit ropey isn't great uh, mine is a little bit different and um i'm trying to learn italian john and i you know generally am trying to throw myself into this and um learn how to speak 
uh, Italian. Uh, come sta, amico americano, for example. I do know that. How do you do, my American friend? Um, and then I can't remember what my daughter my daughter is. It's Mia, Mia, Mia Filia or something like that. But uh, there's, there's a, basically it's an Italian guy at work and I like how he speaks. So I thought, you know what? I want to learn that. I don't know about American... Uh, well, as a teacher, you'll be able to tell me. But in England, we have basically when kids go through secondary school, which I assume would be college, maybe high school for you guys um, between the ages of uh, 11, tw- 11 to 16, maybe. Um, yeah, we learn French and we learn German, but it's prescriptive. It's, you know, it's mandatory. You have to do it. I don't, I don't really want to learn French or German. You know, nothing against the French or German languages. They're great, but I didn't want to learn that. So I wasn't as invested in learning it. Um, whereas uh, I know a lot of other countries around the world are at least bilingual, if not duolingual. You know, they they speak their uh, their native language, generally English, because it's you know universal. Uh, and uh, some countries can sort of speak two, three, four. So uh, language, some people, some people from different countries. And I thought, yeah, why can't I do that? You know, what is it with us? Certainly, I, I can only speak for the. What is it for the UK? We just no, we speak English, and that is it. Everybody can speak our language. I thought, nope. And I genuinely am uh, throwing myself into. I got an app where I have to for ten minutes a day. I have to learn and I have to speak into it, and it tells me if I'm doing it right. It's one of those kind of like odd achievement things where at the end of it, if it all pays off, it's kind of it, firstly you've got a cool party trick, but secondly. I don't know, it's just, it's just something different. I mean, if you can't, it's not much. I don't think I can do much in this world, but at least I can try and speak another language and at least have that under my, my belt. But I'm trying, John. I'm trying. What uh, what language are you starting with? Uh, Italian. Oh, how come Italian? Uh, that's because, like I said, because the guy at work is Italian, so I just like the way he speaks. Oh, um, sorry. So I know it's because of the way, and I thought, you know, I want I. So I, I kind of I, every now and then I, I used to go on Google Translate and throw a comment at him to see if he'd understand it, um, and he did. I was like, oh, great! I don't know what you're saying back to me. He, he speaks English, but I couldn't yeah. converse. And I thought, do you know what? Wouldn't it be cool if I could actually learn that? I, I all the time, uh, especially in Florida, I really, really need to learn Spanish. I uh, one of, of course, we went yeah. to a. Um, a little cart out at uh it's not a, it's not a cart but it was like a walk up it was similar to a food truck but like a building but like it was just like a window on the side and you walked up and ordered like empanadas and uh she definitely did not speak much english i spoke no spanish enough not enough spanish to be able to like have a conversation and then add in like crowd noise and stuff and it was a it was a Ooh, a nightmare of an ordering situation where i'm like i need mm-hmm. two of these and i want one coke zero and then she's like coke i'm like coke zero and then she gave me two Coke Zeros, so I just bought both Coke Zeros. But um, and I drank both Coke Zeros. But uh, you know, I I would I don't I regret easily biggest regret of my life is not taking Spanish classes seriously in high school, um, or maybe I wish they were better. Whatever the case is, I wish I could speak another language. Uh, same. Um, I feel like America is similar to the UK in that regard. By the way, that we are like uh, oh speak English and or worse when they say speak American. But you know, um, yeah, I, yep. And those people generally can't speak the language right themselves. Uh, yeah. But I, <laughs> I, I, it's something I wish we put more emphasis in. Um, the ability to communicate is so important and that we don't uh, find that common ground um, is, is a shame. Yeah, no, it is. I uh, genuinely am trying it. So hopefully in, hopefully in the course of the BAMP over the next, I don't know what's realistic, three months, six months, I'll be able to prove my, um by progress on the show but um watch this space guys um arriva dirt for now uh which means so until next time 
which is fine because it is now the end of the show. Uh, our weird, the Al Yankovic story, uh, non-spoiler review has come to an end, but we are going to have our spoiler review jump it dropping in a few days time. And like JB said, we'll be back next week with BP Black Panther Wakanda forever with a non-spoiler. And of course a spoiler filled review of the two hour, I think 40 minute superhero film that's coming out next week or in actually coming out shortly. Um, if you want to let us know what you thought about um, Weird, or if you want to let us know ahead of time what you think about Black Panther 2, you can do that by finding us online on Twitter. We are at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. Still not verified. On Instagram, where are you, my friend? <laughs> uh, we're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Sorry, the verified uh, joke got me. Oh. <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank you. I'm glad I'm glad you got that, my friend. Uh, moving on from Elon Musk to Mark Zuckerberg on Facebook. It's just bloody awesome movie podcast. If you want to find me online, you can do it at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or just search what I watch tonight across all of the socials, including Letterboxd. John, where can the world find you? At BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. Yep, go check out all the work JB does. Uh, and if you like what we're doing here collectively, we'd love a five-star rating and review on your podcast provider of choice if you have the time. It would mean the world to us. It would bump us up the algorithm. It gets more listeners in. Plus, it's another way that we can converse with more film fans each and every week. But with that, as always, stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Blood, 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 bloody. Blood, 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 bloody. Blood, blood. Blood, blood, bloody, blood, 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 bloody, blood, blood, bloody. Awesome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blood, 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 bloody.